One of the things I detest doing is talking about the Green Bay Packers. But my illustration today required me to talk about the Green Bay Packers. Yes, I did wear a green shirt accordingly. No, I will never be a Packer fan, just so you know. Um, The Packers had a great coach by the name of Vince Lombardi. We've heard of Vince. And when he was a rookie coach, he was really frustrated with his team because they were losing a lot. He was frustrated at the performance of his players. And so we probably have all heard this, but at one practice, he finally blew the whistle and yelled at his players to all gather around. And he held up a football and pointed to it and said, Gentlemen... This is a football. Kosambardi knew that sometimes you have to get back to the very basics in order to move forward. That without a firm foundation of the basics of the game of football, you would never be successful. And as we know, The Packers were very successful under Lombardi. In fact, the Super Bowl trophy is called the Lombardi Trophy, trophy, appropriately. Sometimes when I think of church or I think of the Pharisees, I think that we sometimes need to blow the whistle and gather everybody around and just remind us of what are the basics of our relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, all we have to do is think of our human nature. Our human nature is to make everything more difficult and more complicated. The Pharisees succeeded at that by taking a handful of laws and making them into hundreds that is impossible for anybody to follow. And if you think about it, isn't what Jesus did when he came And he said, the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that him, in essence, saying, hey, church, (laughs) this is the basics. It's pretty easy for us as humans to take our eyes off of what is basic And focus on something else. To take our eyes off of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of his death and his resurrection. Because really, when it's all said and done, the basic thing for Christianity is this. Jesus came. Stepped off his throne as a child came here as a man, was crucified, he died, was buried, he rose again, he sits at the right hand of God the Father, and someday he will return again. That's the basics. 
leadership in our country and the world is figuring this thing out. In fact, uh, there's a book out called The One Thing. I haven't had the opportunity to read that yet, but Terry has read it. It's by Gary Keller, who is the Keller of Keller Williams. And in his book, The One Thing, Gary Keller says this, sometimes it's the first thing you do, sometimes it's the only thing you do, but it's always the one thing that produces extraordinary results. You see, the question that Keller asks in his book, in the business realm, is, and, and even in your personal life realm, is what is the one thing that is most important? Figure that out and do that one thing, everything else is going to happen. And that is a secular book on leadership. Now, Gary Keller is a Christian man, but we as followers of Jesus need to ask the same question as a follower of Jesus, what is the main What is the one thing? And that one thing, sometimes it might be the first thing you do. Sometimes it might be the only thing you do. But know this, it's the one thing that will produce extraordinary results. As we've been looking at 1 Corinthians this past year, Part of 1 Corinthians is all about the one thing. That's Paul is getting at. All this other stuff is not important. What's the one thing? For Paul, unity was the one thing, and that unity was around the cross. The unity was around the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul says in Colossians 3.17, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is at the end of a list we know about that Paul gives in chapter 3. There's a list of of things that we're supposed to put to death and a list of things we're supposed to get rid of. And then there's a list of things that we're supposed to put on, clothe ourselves. And after all these lists, he comes down to the one thing, and that is this. Whatever you do in word or deed, Do it in the name of Jesus. And when I do something in the name of Jesus, that means I'm doing His will. Jesus mentions this same kind of thing in John 15, verses 9 and 10. He says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. Keeping His commands is remaining in His love. It's all about Jesus and the good news of the cross. Our one thing, you could say, is doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
every role, whether you're a parent, do it in the name of Jesus. Parent in the name of Jesus. If you're a child, a son or a daughter, do it in the name of Jesus. If you're a friend, do it in the name of Jesus. If you're a boss, in the name of Jesus. An employee, in the name of Jesus. In a student, you could go on and on. Whatever role you are in, do it in the name of Jesus. Every task, in the name of Jesus. Scrubbing the toilet, in the name of Jesus. Obeying your parents, loving your wife, loving your neighbor. Here's a question for you. Is what I'm saying and what I'm doing something I can attach Jesus' name to? Is what I'm saying and what I'm doing something I can attach Jesus' name to? I mean, if it's not, if you can't, then don't do it. If you can, then do it. History is filled with people attaching Jesus' name to things that they should have never attached Jesus' name to. We know it. We see it. We see it today. We see people in our country and around the world attaching Jesus' name to things that should never have his name attached to. I read someplace this last week where somebody compared what was going on in the capital to Jesus turning the temples over in the temple. I went, what? It's not even close. As I was thinking about what we were going to be talking about over the next couple of months and stepping back into 1 Corinthians, because, you know, we've been on this journey through 1 Corinthians. We stopped during Advent now to get back into it. This theme, as I was looking at chapters 8, 9, and 10 of 1 Corinthians, was, came up about the main thing. What is the main thing? Paul is addressing. What is the main thing? And then as I began thinking about that, and diving into it a little deeper. And then um, as I was thinking about today, it was like I wanted us to talk today about what we have discovered a little bit about what is the main thing here at Crossroads Church. So today I want to take some time to re-look really again real quick at our core values and our mission because those are the things that we have determined from time together conversation of what, what is the main thing. We, we're attaching Jesus' name to these things. 
If you remember, three years ago, we began a discussion about what it means to be a healthy church. And we talked about having a vision statement, a mission statement. Those are important, but if you remember, we talked about that culture eats vision for lunch. Meaning, you can have the best vision statement in the world, the best mission statement in the, in the world, but if you have a bad culture, that vision statement means nothing. So we began going, what does it look like to be a healthy church? So we came up with our core values. Do you remember them? God's Word is the first value on our list, and we said this is the foundation building strong, and the question we ask is, am I in it? Is it in me? We recognize that reading and learning and meditating on God's Word is essential for helping us to keep the main thing the main thing. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to guide us, to direct us. So one of our core values is God's Word. We need to be in it every day. Our second value is love, the core, love above, above all. And the question was, am I loving like Jesus? That, that was the key when we talked about it. Like Jesus, attaching Jesus' name. I mean, we can talk about love, and I do a pretty good thing at loving people. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at it. But I got a lot to learn yet to love like Jesus. Because Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Paul tells us that faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. The third value that we have on our list is transformation. The shift, never the same. The question Am I changing inside out? We recognize that transformation is a huge part of our Christian journey. I should be more like Christ today than I was last year or five years ago. That, again, it's not about being perfect. We're in a lifelong journey, but... There should be a transformation going on. I should be changing from inside out. So as I'm in the Word, and as I'm in this, listening to the Spirit, and obeying, transformation happens. The fourth value, fellowship. The body, one accord, Am I connecting authentically? We recognize that we can't do this spiritual thing alone. I need you, you need me, we need each other, especially to keep doing the main thing. 
When I'm on my own, it's easy for me to get off path. I need you to help me stay on path. I need you to go, hey, Brad, you're a little off on that one. Let's bring it over this way. A lot of times when church leaders start putting the name of Jesus on the wrong thing, it's because they have gotten into such a place of power that nobody dares correct them. And the, the less they get corrected, the more off path they go. I need the elders. The elders need me. We're in this together. Fellowship. Connecting authentically. The next value is spirit-led. The power, letting him lead. Am I yielding and responding? Am I listening to the spirit? We, we talked about this earlier in 1 Corinthians, in chapters 2 and 3, where Paul talks about... We can have the mind of Christ. How we have the mind of Christ is because when I become a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God comes in me. The same Spirit that searches the mind of God is the Spirit that is in me. The question is, am I listening to the Spirit? Listening to the Spirit is a learned behavior. You have to be intentional. You have to take time. You have to listen. You have to... Yeah, I can't say anything more. It's that simple. It's not something that just happens overnight. It is a learning thing. So to be Spirit-led... It is constantly yielding to the Spirit and responding. Yielding and responding. Sometimes I'm going to yield and respond wrong, and then it's repenting, and it's yielding and responding. The sixth value is prayer and worship. The presence immersed in my encountering Him. Taking the time to be in God's presence is important, especially when we got, we're talking about being spirit-led. If I don't intentionally go into the presence of the Lord, I won't hear His voice. It, it goes together. Prayer and worship is when we do this. And you need to understand, are you doing it on your own? Meaning, the vast majority of Christians, I think, in this world... The only time they get into the presence of God is one hour a week on a Sunday morning. And if all you're doing is relying on this hour for your prayer and worship, you're missing out. Daily, I need to get into the presence of the Lord. The first hour of my day, when I'm alone, 
with my cup of coffee and my Bible, my journal, is the most important hour of my day. I learn about worship and prayer there and that I experience on a corporate level here. One of the things I appreciate so much about Eric, our worship director, is I know he's worshiping all week long. And so what is happening here, we get to experience the overflow of what he's doing on his own time. The same is for you. If you're looking for more of the Spirit, get into your closet at home, get out your Bible and your journal, start praying, turn on some worship music, start worshiping. The last value, going. The reach, hands and feet. Am I on mission near and far? Church, we have a job to do. I mean, I I hope you got spurred on by Dan and Kelly's video. I did. The world needs Jesus. And we are the priesthood of all believers. We are the ministers of reconciliation. You and I have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Now, it's our job to go into the world and bring others to God so that they can be reconciled to God through Jesus. Jesus said, go into all the world. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching. Jim Collins is an author and a researcher and has done a lot of research on businesses. He's got a couple of really good leadership books out there. Um, He did research on what caused certain companies over the last 50 to 100 years to succeed and what caused others to fail. In his book, Great by Choice, he has this quote, and it's a long quote. I'm going to read it. It won't be up on your screen. He says this, and this was written probably about five, six years ago. In a world full of big, fast-moving forces and unrelenting uncertainty, I promised to use the word uncertain for one of our elders today, and so I just want to say I did use it. In a world full of big, fast-moving forces and unrelenting uncertainty, Ten timers, or companies that grow ten times the speed of every other company's, accept the stoic equanimity or calmness and composure that what they cannot control is what they cannot control. Yet they exert extreme control when they can. One of the most crucial ways they exert control in, in an out-of-control world is by being incredibly SMAC, S-M-A-C, it's an acronym which means specific, methodical, and consistent. The more unforgiving your world, the more SMAC you need to be, specific, methodical, consistent. 
Specific, methodical, and consistent forces order amid chaos. And it imposes consistency when you're slammed with disruption. Now, you might be thinking, he goes on to say, okay, the primary finding here is to have a smack recipe. But in fact, the existence of a recipe, per se, did not distinguish the ten-time companies from the comparison companies. Rather, the principal finding is how the ten-time companies adhere to their recipes with fanatic discipline to a far greater degree than the comparison companies. What he's saying is companies that succeeded were specific and methodical and consistent about the same thing, no matter what was going on around them. Those are the companies that succeeded. That doesn't mean they never changed. They did change, but it was intentional change as they looked at the world around them. It wasn't going back and forth to all different kinds of things. Why did I bring that up? Because I think we need to be consistent, specific, consistent, and methodical about our relationship with Jesus Christ, about the core values in our life. I need to be specific and consistent in my daily time with God. Methodical. Sometimes, for me, most of the time, that hour in the morning is, uh, it's there. Not that big of a deal. But maybe once a week or maybe twice a week or once every two weeks, all of a sudden it's just like, holy cow. Man. No matter what is going on, what you're feeling, be specific and methodical and consistent with your relationship with Jesus Christ because then transformation will happen. Then you'll see the Spirit move. But again, if you come here on Sunday morning and this is your only time, you're going to miss out. This whole mindset is not just in the leadership world. It's athletes. The best athletes in the world, every day, practice. The best musicians in the world, every day, they rehearse. The best craftsmen in the world, every day, they're doing it. Jesus. You know, Jesus did a lot of miracles, but if you read through the Gospels, see how consistent and methodical Jesus was. Often he withdrew to lonely places to pray. He would often take his disciples and go someplace and rest, or he would go someplace and rest. We see the miracles, but that's all we see. We don't, I mean... Three years of his ministry life are in a few chapters. We don't see the day-to-day. Walking from one town to the next. Five-mile distance from one town to the next. That's a long walk. Acts 2, 42-47, we've heard this many times. They devoted themselves to God's Word, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. The church... Early church was specific and methodical and consistent. 
They were in God's word daily. They were intentional about fellowship. Yes, signs and wonders were done, and yes, they were in awe. All of that happened, but what we don't read and don't see is all the time in between that where they were specific, methodical, and consistent. Church history. Revivals happen because people are specific and methodical and consistent in their devotion to prayer for revival. If you think revival is going to happen by attending church one Sunday a month or once a week for an hour, no. Revivals happen because there was a group of people that men and women that were either in home, in their prayer closet, praying for revival, or, and, they were gathering together and praying together for revival. It was specific, it was methodical, and it was consistent. We like microwaves. We want to pop something into the oven, microwave oven, push one minute, and eat. I just made some amazing venison soup. It was in the crock pot, all total, for about 20 hours. I'm not sharing it with anybody, just so you know. <laughs> but revivals are a crock pot. The Spirit moves as we are in the crock pot. Get in the crock pot. Put it on 10 hours. And just cook. The other part I was going to talk about that I'm just going to skip over is, is our mission. Our mission is impacting people with the love of Jesus on the journey of life. You've heard me talk about that many times, and we're going to continue to talk about that. But because of time, I'm not going to go into that. But I want us to know that if we are not specific and methodical and consistent about our core values, we cannot impact people with the love of Jesus on the journey of life. Let's pray. Jesus, we, um, we do desire revival. We do desire your spirit to move. Forgive us for not coming to you, for wanting to do things on our own. I pray, Father, that you would just raise up a bunch of people here at Crossroads that are specific and consistent and methodical in their relationship with you. They're intentional. Intentionally, they're in your word. Intentionally, they're crying out to you for revival. Intentionally, they're crying out for their neighbor next door that they come to know you. Intentionally, they're taking time to worship you. Intentionally, they are discipling their families. 
And then, Father, pour out your Spirit. In Jesus' name.